we have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A new world order. Child sex trafficking. The deep state is trying to destroy Donald Trump's presidency. Loose the battle plans of heaven. It's all about control. Broadcasting live to the world now. It's the weekend vigilante, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. It is Thursday, August 31st, the last day of August. Boy, we have just flown by this year. Hey, I want to give everyone a quick update on what's happening with Patreon. Really want to give a big thank you to all the emails I got over the last four days. It was incredible. It was, oh, so uplifting, so encouraging. I heard from so many of you, and boy, I didn't know how loved and appreciated this show was until, wow, I'm telling you, I just got inundated, and sorry I haven't had a chance to respond. And it was overwhelming, actually. And I just want to thank you all for these, they were so encouraging. I guess that's the best word. And thank you all, the the people that have donated. I'm going to have a long-winded update at the end of this show because I've only slated in about a half an hour for the show today. But trust me, with this guy, your brain will explode if you have any more than that. It's so good. And meditate on what this guy, I'm telling you, I could listen to this guy, the same show, I could listen to it 50 times. So just quickly again, stick around at the end of the show. I'm going to kind of hit some bullet points of what I wanted to talk about because I just do not have the time to respond to like 300 of the same emails that are very similar that I can answer these, kind of go through a little bullet points of addressing some things. If you're interested to hear that, do pay attention at the end of the show after my awesome, explosive, incredibly exciting guest who, boy, he can bring the heat more in half an hour than uh, a a four-hour show. Dr. Michael Lake, he's a good friend of the program. He's going to be at Branson. Wow, that's coming up in two weeks. At the True Legends Conference, the very coveted sold-out venue, the the conference of the year, the the family reunion of the year is what I call it. (laughs) And by the way, I have a ticket. That's right. It's a sold-out event. And I have a ticket that I'm going to be giving away. And I'm going to tell you how you can win that ticket. That's like the Willy Wonka golden chocolate ticket of the year to win. How can you win that, you ask? Uh, That's a good reason to pay attention at the end of the program as well. Um, I'm going to be getting into that a little bit at the end of the show as well. So, And I'll give you one reason you want to get out to Branson, to see my awesome guest today. My guest is no stranger to the show. He's the renowned Dr. Michael Lake the chancellor and founder of the Biblical Life College and Seminary. It is the premier online spirit-filled theology seminary. I don't think you could ever find a place like this. He's the author of the best-selling Shinar Directive and, of course, the amazing Sharif Imperative. He's working on a new project, too. His remarkable work at kingdomintelligencebriefing.com shows us what a prolific scriptorian and just an amazing guy in general he is. I could go on and on all day. But without further ado, it is the one and only Dr. Michael Lake. Dr. Lake, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I I tell you, listening to what you were saying, I was kind of looking behind me to see who you were talking about. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you, you're too modest, my friend. Listen, Dr. Lake, we're going to kind of get into a a very sobering message today, I think, because this has really been resonating on my heart, and I doubt I'm going to be very popular after today's message. But what's really been on my heart the last, I'd say the last month is just, this is that the time for game playing, it's over. And I want to take everyone to Mark seven thirteen. What did Jesus say? The gate is small. It's narrow. Few find it. It goes on to say a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Then when you go on, it says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Then look at it says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Can a good tree bring forth evil fruit? No, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So let's go to 21 here and think of this scathing, sobering thing that he says here in Matthew seven twenty-one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that what? He that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Oh, but it gets worse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have we not cast out devils and done many wonderful works? And listen to this. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And the scathing part is in 26. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, well, you'll be likened unto the foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Well, after the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat down that house, what did it do? It fell and great was the fall of it. Think of that. Can you imagine Dr. Lake, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, looking you straight in the eye and, and when he returns, he says to you, I never knew you. Listen, folks, I'm talking to some people out there right now. Our King is coming back. Dr. Lake, people don't pray anymore. They don't fast. No, that's inconvenient. It's stunning. They don't make time for God. But yet they got lots of time for Facebook and Instagram, the crap they watch on Netflix. uh, People are shacking up, divorcing, getting abortions. These are things that God hates. They don't look different from the world, these people. You know, we've lost our holiness. We've lost repentance. We've lost our standard. Don't measure yourself with the world's standard or your neighbor's standard or the people you go to church with. No, you measure yourself with the word. You know, we deserve the wrath of God. Wait a minute, Sheila. God is love. I know. Listen, the apostles made this really clear. This, that apart from the grace of God revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord, the only thing left for you is the wrath, the fierce anger of God. And Dr. Lake, the time for playing games is over. You yourself said, and I'll, I'll, I've never forget this. I repeat it on a lot of shows. God's looking for an A team. As I say, God's looking for a SWAT team. And he's got a not so hot team. Even when people pray, it's like David Langford said so aptly, God is not your bellhop. Where do we start with all this, Dr. Lake? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's time for us to move beyond what I call Santa Claus prayers. You know, it's, it's our, it's, we're, we're like a little kid that's going to go and, and set up on Santa Claus's lap and we give the Lord this long thing of all of our wants and all of our desires. There's a time for that. You know, even, even in Jesus, when, when he gave us the model prayer, there's a section there for, hey, give us today what we need. 
give us what we need. And maybe there's a lot of wants that probably need to be crucified. But we, we need to move beyond that. Um, you know, in Revelation 12, uh, 10 and 11, a lot of Christians read this, and I hear so many that uh, will quote especially verse 11, but they don't understand the dynamic of what's going on here. And it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation has come and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. And we, we, we talk about that, we preach about that, but Sheila, I, I think that most Christians don't have a clue that this is a court of law, that we there, there's a time to come into God's court with, with praise. Whenever you have a king's court and you have a king with the throne there, it, it's a multi-purpose room. People can come before him and make their requests known. People can come before him, and there can be a banquet or whatever. And we're, we're, we're marching very quickly toward the marriage supper of the Lamb, which will also take place there. But one of the dynamic things is that becomes a court of law. And this, this is crucial. In the, in the first time that we have the word Satan used in the word of God is in the book of Job. And, and, and people can say, well, you know, when Lucifer fell, his name became Satan. No, it didn't. Hasatan is a title. It is not a name. If we were in Israel right now and we would go into a court of law, Sheila, the prosecuting attorney, is called Hasatan. He would. In fact, I just got off the phone today with a lady that was in church praying, and she said that the Lord came to her and said, you know, the problem is you don't really know who I am because she's never been taught. We're taught some some hippie beach Jesus that's out there with a surfboard saying and everything's okay. And it, it doesn't matter what you relabel stuff. You know, I can take a cow pie and relabel it T-bone steak. That does not make it T-bone steak. And just, just slapping a label on something, God is very succinct in his word. When you understand, when you understand that this is a court of law, that Satan, everything he does, Lucifer, the whole kingdom of darkness, everything he does has to have legal rights. That's why, the, and I think that's one of the reasons why that uh, we are so jaundiced against the law of God is because the devil knew that if, if we would understand the dynamic of the commandments, and there's commandments, Old Testament, New Testament, um, there's over 1,200 of them in the New Testament compared just to the 613 in Torah, but they're all about how the kingdom operates. And, and God was lovingly saying, listen, when you do this, this is the way my kingdom functions. If you're a part of my kingdom, you don't commit murder, you don't steal, you don't do all these things. And, and these are the ways of, of, of the mystery religions. Don't do them. Stay in my kingdom. And so when we go in, and we have this court of law, there's the, there's the accuser, the brother, and the prosecuting attorney. We have been so flagrant about the word of God that he can go up there before the king and say, I have a right to do this in their lives because they did this, they did this, they did this. They have not confessed. They have not repented. I have an open door, and I'm seeking a judgment from the court for the right to go do more. That's how the enemy gets in our lives. And his greatest fear, and, and one of the things that he, he can't comprehend, Sheila, is repentance. You know, when, whenever you're counseling or dealing with people, that if they have never been through something or they're incapable of it, they just simply can't wrap their head around it. Well, to the enemy, our atomic weapon is repentance in the blood of Jesus. Mm. It can wipe out years of work. And so he is trying his best to get us not to get clean, because if we're not clean, if, if we're not under that blood and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we will never go before that court and ask for judgment against him. Amen, because that's really his Achilles heel, isn't it? And repentance doesn't mean we feel bad about it. It actually means to turn from your sin and renounce all your detestable practices, turn away from all your offenses, 
It's not feeling bad about it. It's turning from your your ways. But yeah, you're right. That is the devil's ultimate kryptonite is repentance, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Our repentance and, 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 and teshuvah in Hebrew uh, not only means to say, I'm sorry, but to go back and begin doing what God told you to do. In fact, we're in the, we're right now, we're in the middle of teshuvah on, on, the, on the biblical calendar. And I think it's interesting that the first day of teshuvah was the day of the total eclipse. You know, there's, yeah. uh, there's a synchronicity to the kingdom of God. And, and this 40-day period of Teshuvah is tied into the fall feast, which means they're about where we're headed. It, it's, a, it's about the, the, how the book of Revelation unfolds. And those that really get it and are, and are really ready when the Lord comes back are going to do these 40 days of Teshuvah. Uh, preparing for the Valley of Armageddon, which is the Day of Atonement, they're they're seeking the face of God. They're not like the the first time Israel, when you know Moses went up into the mountain for forty days and he came back down with the Ten Commandments, and and they were they're basically having an, an orgy around the golden calf, and God judged them. You know, that's yeah, kind of yeah. like a lot of what's going on in the church. They were we're just doing what we saw in Egypt, and we're calling it unto the Lord. But the second time Moses went up was about this time of year, and he went while well, he went up this time for the forty days. Israel stayed humbled before God and repentant. And when he came down the second time with the Ten Commandments, it was on the Day of Atonement. So that's tied into the feast. We cannot we cannot hold our own. We cannot do spiritual warfare if there's sin in our life. There has to be true repentance as well as opening up the Word of God and saying, what did God say about this? I don't care what they say on TV. I don't care what they say, what my preacher has said or what the, what the preachers on TV say. What is thus saith the Lord? But man, when you start getting into the book, you start quitting a lot of stuff. You know what it is, Dr. Lake? We've lost righteousness and holiness. That's why American Christianity is in the dung heap that it's in. We don't call sin, sin. The Holy Spirit isn't what's moving in these seeker-friendly, emergent, feel-good churches with their Pied Piper pastor lulling them with the soothing every days of Friday mantra. Dr. Lake, we don't have the glory of God manifesting. The Holy Ghost isn't manifesting, maybe the Kundalini, but it's not God. Otherwise, a conviction would fall on those people. There's no anguish. There's no godly sorrow. There's no genuine repentance and suffering and sacrifices. We don't even examine ourselves under the microscope of the, the lens of the standard of the word anymore in accordance with God's standard. No, instead of seeking to get rid of what needs to be removed in our life, no, we twist the word to to appease, to placate and pacify our flesh. And when you're starting down that road where you're twisting the word to suit yourself, that, my friends, is dangerous ground, isn't it, Dr. Lake? It is. It's idolatry. You know, and I think part of the problem is we don't understand our priesthood. You know, your your physical body, your your tripartite makeup is the second example of of the temple God created. The first was the three heavens, three in one. The second was man. It, long before uh, you know Moses created the Mishkan in in the wilderness, that was after the the likeness of what he saw in heaven. And so there's there's a priesthood built on the inside of us, and the very first one. And if you understand what the priests do, they go to the, the, the brazen lever, and brazen is always judgment, that brazen lever. And, and they would look into the water, and they would wash their hands, they would wash their feet. You look into the Word to see what needs to be sacrificed. Then you take it to the brazen altar, and sometimes you got to tie it down. And the biblical standard is that that sacrifice is not done until it's reduced to ash. Then you come back to that brazen altar again, and the priest would wash their hands and wash their feet. But it's, an, it, it's a type and shadow of us now looking into the 
perfect law of liberty to see who we have become now that that has been sacrificed. Sheila, we're not taught that. We're, we're, we're not taught our priesthood. We don't know how to function in all three. You know, we're not taught how to function in the outer court, inner court, or holy holies. And everybody keeps on trying to get into the holy of holies in their church services when they never do any outer court ministry at all. And what I have personally found is the, the, the holy place where you have the showbread of fellowship, of fellowshipping with that manna come down from heaven, as well as the illumination of the Holy Spirit. That only functions in, this, in the same balance that I'm out there in the outer court offering sacrifice to God. Well, you're right, because we don't understand the royal priesthood, that holy nation. That is just a concept that just goes right over people's head. And I think that ties back into the fact that we don't understand what holiness is, what righteousness is, Michael. I don't think we understand that, do we? No, well, we've been disenfranchised from the Old Testament, and that's where all the definitions are. You know, theologically, you, you go back to the beginning to find the principle of first mention that gives you the definition for anything, and then from there on it always expands, and then it explodes with meaning in the New Testament when we see Jesus. And because we have been disenfranchised, we broke up the book, and today what we're saying is what Newsweek says is more important than what, than what the Word of God says. Absolutely. So, so you're, you're basing your life on idiots. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny. The other day I had something playing in the background. I think it was Alex Jones, and he was just railing on, oh, we're getting, Texas is getting slammed at this storm. And I was posting something on Facebook, and every single thread was it was coming up, and I don't even know how these threads get on my Facebook, but it was ABC says, we're getting slammed with this, we're getting slammed with that. This hurricane is going to wipe out Texas. And it was just on and on with all this weather prognostication. You know, it, it, they get into words spoken curses and witchcraft. And I know there's a lot of water spirits and Leviathan operating. I know there's witches that are sending curses over right across that Gulf of Mexico. I know there's scalar waves. There's, you know, I get harp. I get what's going on with all the, the geoengineering. And it's probably, God knows that we're getting bathed with all these weather systems in the air, land, water. We're getting pummeled. But last I heard, we had dominion over all the earth. Jesus spoke to that storm. Why is that the last thing that people do? They don't speak to the storm and they're not binding and, and loosing and, and doing spiritual warfare and, and taking authority over those storms and the witchcraft. And people are just not using their power and authority to take dominion over over all these systems. And I, I just, I find that really sad. Absolutely. And it, in fact, Mary and I, on our podcast we recorded this morning, we deal with there's a lot of alchemy and uh, uh, Sabatine Kabbalahism in this whole thing down there. And I think it's a blending of both magic and scalar energy being fed into the storm. The thing is, if we know how to do spiritual warfare and we know how to enter into the court, we can shut both down. We're, we're, Sheila, we're in a time that it's time for us to grow up because as, as we move toward that day, uh, we're, you know, Jesus said it was going to be as in the days of Noah. And I think, you know, I, I, I believe the giant aspect of it is right. But what nobody's dealing with is in the antediluvian period that sorcery and technology were two sides of the same yes. coin and occult power can move through technology. And that goes back to Satan trying to always usurp our authority. 24-7, accuser of the brethren, and it goes back to that whole thing we talked about with the courts. It's kind of like in uh, the second the second chapter of Job there when the Lord asked him there, where have you come from? And he said, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. 
He's just looking for whatever he can. And then, of course, God says to him, well, have you considered my awesome servant Job? You know, he's unlike anybody else on the earth. There's none like him. He's God-fearing. He's a man of integrity. And then what does Satan do? Yeah, but you know what? Stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bone, and he will surely curse you to your face. You know, sure, Job's uh, doing all good when things are going his way, but you take all that away and then we'll see what happens. Satan doesn't accuse his own subject. He's always there to lay his charges against the saints. Why? Because he's been eternally banished. What is his little modus operandus? Well, this is important. What does he want to do? He wants to create enmity between God and his children. He wants to crush your spirit. He wants to hinder your prayer life. He will throw the kitchen sink at you, and people just don't get how their authority is being usurped, Dr. Lake. And here's the deal. If we didn't have sin in our life, well, guess what? He's got nothing on us. Absolutely. Now, I think in, in, in uh, Revelation 12, I, I think is so significant because you have the accuser of the brethren, and that literally talks about a uh, to make an accusation, an extra judicial ac- accusation. And so, you know, this this scripture here, if this, if if Revelation would have been written in Hebrew rather than Greek, it would have called him Hasatan. Okay, and then, it, but it says, now here the accuser of the brethren is constantly accusing them. How did they overcome him? By the blood of the Lamb. Number one, you got to get every area of your life under the blood of Jesus. You got to re- and the only way to do that is to repent. That's the only way that you have access to the blood. It's not church membership. You can be baptized until you look like a prune (laughs) and you still don't have the blood because it is by repentance. Repentance is the only way to enter into the kingdom. And I have personally found that every time that God takes you deeper into the kingdom, it is preceded by a period of repentance. And so you have that, but then it said, and the word of their testimony. And we, we read that, and I've heard people preach for years, you know, yeah, you got to go out and give your testimony about what Jesus has done in your life, and yada, yada, yada. And, and that's great, but that has nothing to do with what, what this yeah. is talking This well, here means to testify in a court of law, to give testimony before a judge. A part of spiritual warfare, there's a part where we can take authority and we can do things, but there's certain protocols, like, you know, you and I have authority over demons, anything that manifests in the first heaven, we can take authority over it. Second heaven realities, principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and all that stuff that's going on there are out of our jurisdiction, okay? Then I've heard people say, you know, I'm going to go up and I'm going to buy in principalities and powers. Sheila, those ministries that do that, a lot of them aren't even here anymore. Yeah. They went and poked a bear with nothing but a twig and then wonder why they got eight, okay? You weren't given authority there, but what you do is you go before the judge. God is El Elyon, the, the supreme judge, and you make your case before a judge based upon his word, on what he has promised, what he has done for you, what he says things should be, and then you begin bringing accusation, because when you read this in in the book of Revelation, the saint said, how long are you going to put up with this? Look at what he's doing. And can you imagine in a court of law, if we're sitting here and the the prosecuting attorney says, man, I'm going to get them in jail for a long, long time, and all of a sudden in, in your testimony, You begin to reveal to the court the most guilty one in that courtroom is the prosecuting attorney. What does it say there in Hebrews 7.25? Seeing he, Jesus, ever liveth to make intercession for them. Yeah. there You know, he's up there. But Sheila, I think what's happened is we're the plaintiff. We're the one that's supposed to be able to go up there. Now, he's kind of like your your attorney whenever you go to court. He's making intercession for us. But when it comes to appearing before the court of the Lord, we're the no-show. 
a lot of people really trying to work and you know, walk in holiness, but they have never been taught this aspect of the court of God, that I can come boldly before the throne of grace, that I can receive mercy in a time of need. That's that court. The court's on my side, but I've got to show up with, with an understanding of how a court operates and then begin bringing accurate indictments against the enemy asking for heaven to move in our behalf. Because a lot of stuff that's going on right now, all this empowerment of, of this Marxist movement, and Karl Marx was a Satanist. He borrowed the, the, the Communist Manifesto he took from Adam Weishaupt. It's basically the same thing. The Illuminati playbook. The Illuminati playbook. And, but there's a principality and power behind uh, the enforcement of that. And so the only way to decelerate it in America is to be able to go before the court of the Lord and say, Lord, I ask that you would judge the principalities and powers that are doing this. I ask that you would send warring angels to sever their influence over America. There's a rage and there's there's this nastiness. The iniquity force is just an ascendancy with these people. And and then asking and then asking the Father, Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over these people. I ask that, that their that their sins would be forgiven, that you would neutralize the occult power that they're moving by. And it'll it'll be like popping a balloon. But well, we've got to do it as we gotta do it as the body over our nation. Exactly. And that's where the, the sin factor comes in. I think the time is over for these mealy-mouthed, generic, kumbaya, my bad, Lord. This guy actually said that the other day, and I was so shocked. My bad? I'm talking about genuine repentance. We got to get with the program, grow up, roll up our sleeves, and start being the ambassadors for Jesus Christ that we are called to be. The, the time for playing church, it's over. It is. We've also got to find out what the opposite of the sin was, you, because there's a, you know, you you have on the one side this is sin. You will you will have a corresponding. This is what you should have been doing. Okay, this this is the righteous thing. True repentance goes, and you begin to demand of yourself, I'm going to do the right thing. I am going to do it, whether I feel like it or not, and I'm going to do it and do it and do it until it becomes habit for me, and it it, it replaces it, overrides the sin that Satan had embedded in my life. Mm, that's good. Boy, you're getting some meat of the truth today, folks. Boy, you could have just ended on that, and this would be just perfect. What is your advice for how the listeners can become that A-team, God's A-team that you talk about? You know, the first thing, of course, is repentance, bringing everything under the blood. And you can't minister externally. You see, there's there's two aspects to the priesthood. And when you, under, under the Melchizedekian priesthood that we're under now, you have to take both the Levitical priesthood and the Kohanim. The Kohanim ministered to God, and they were the ones functioning in the temple. The Levites basically ministered to the people. You can't do the Levitical aspect of it until you first get the temple in order and begin getting things done right. And so it, it is putting that brazen altar and the word to work in your life. James says that we need to we need to approach the word and let it be engrafted into us with meekness. You're humbled, the word's right, you're wrong. And if we'll do that, it begins to save our soul. You know, our spirit man saved the moment that we get we get born again, but it's this this gray matter between our ears that constantly gets us into trouble unless you renew it with the word. And that your mind has got to quit arguing with the word and start accepting the word for the inerrant word of God that it is. If we'll if we'll enter into that type of ministry of uh, giving up things for God and saying this this is I, I repent I sacrifice if this is offensive for to you, Father, 
I'll give it up and I'll give it up forever because I never want you to be grieved another moment in my life. But I, I want you to look at me and say, there's my son, there's my daughter. They love me enough that they're walking according to my statutes. And we, we need to go the opposite way of Babylon. And here's a clue, Sheila. If the whole world is doing it, do an about face and look the other way, and that's where you're going to find God. Well, that's where you come in, Dr. Lake, because the other part of this equation is people need good, sound, strong, biblical truth. They need to be sitting under some good teaching. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's part of what you do over there at your ministry. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm getting ready to release part 41 on understanding the kingdom. And I'll, I'll teach on something till there's almost nothing left to cover. And, and, and they're free. They're on the Internet. We have about 300 videos. Just get in the Word and just be honest with God. And I guarantee you several things when, when you watch these videos. Uh, number one, I'm going to step on your toes. And number two, that revelation knowledge will begin flowing in your life where God will show you what you need to repent of and begin how to walk in the kingdom. It always happens, and I have never found anyone that took them seriously that didn't have to watch each video three or four times because every time they went through it, the anointing on the videos showed them something they missed the first two or three times. And especially in the Understand the Kingdom series, I'm, I'm helping people connect to theological dots so that no matter where you open up in the Word, you see how it all begins to fold together, and you begin seeing the patterns of God uh, all throughout the Word of God, and that's when it gets exciting, because that's when you find out about the priesthood, you find out about how to do spiritual warfare, when you understand how God is moving among His people. And that's that's the we, we need to take this thing beyond uh, the kindergarten-level stuff that's delivered to people every weekend. Yeah, this whole pervasive plethora of preschool, it, it, the time for that is absolutely over. And I just think you ended on a beautiful note. Boy, that that's a lot to mull over today. So I'm going to leave it at that. But I would be so honored, Dr. Lake, especially given what is going on in the world right now, sir, if you would do us the honor of, of finishing this perfect show off with prayer Boy, that would just be the cherry on top of the show. If you would lead us in a prayer, sir, we'd be just honored. Thank you, Dr. Lake. Absolutely. Well, Father, we come before your throne right now. And, and Father, you know we love you. But Father, what we need right now is El Elyon, the only judge. And Father, we lift up before you what the Luciferian elite and the Marxists have done to this nation. Father, I ask that you would behold their sins that they purposely teach men to leave your ways. They deny you before men. They mock you before humanity. They have done pedophilia. They have done every abominable thing that can be, is imaginable, and they seek to use political control not only to control your people and to destroy others, but to hide their own sin. Father, I ask that you would raise up in righteous indignation right now. Father, you are big enough to judge the evildoers while letting the innocent go free. And Father, I ask that heaven would begin to move. Father, I ask that you would loose warring angels right now in the name of Jesus, that you would move across this country. Father, let every pedophilia group be revealed in the name of Jesus. Let every hidden thing that every politician has done that is a criminal offense, Father, let it be brought to light that it can no longer be hidden. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that whatever alchemy that has been done in Texas and, and whatever scalar energy that has been poured into that storm, Father, I ask that you would speak to that storm right now and tell it peace be still. Father, I ask that the sins would be forgiven that, were, that put all this into place, that the iniquity force would be neutralized. Father, that your people, wherever they are in whatever situation, Father, let strength 
and hope and kingdom purpose enter into them. Father, if they're bent over in fear, let them stand up straight, Father, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and let them begin speaking to the storm and speaking to the situation and speaking to the water. And Father, let it obey what the Holy Spirit commands them to do. And Father, I ask that in this nation that you would take it back with a high and mighty hand. Father, I ask that those that do evil, that they will fear and they will shake and they will have to hide out in their bunkers. And Father, they'll still not be able to get away from the dread that they are being judged by Almighty God. And Father, I ask that you would save the children and that you would save those that are upright in heart, Father God, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for that, Dr. Lake. And in the very few seconds that we have for those that might just be brand new listeners, tell the folks where they can find all your amazing handiwork, Dr. Lake. Yeah, we, we have our own YouTube channel, which is YouTube slash Biblical Life. Uh, but we're trying to use the Kingdom Intelligence Briefing website as kind of a communication hub for everything that we do. Our books are there. Anytime we do a new video, do a new podcast, it's all there. And it's www.kingdomintelligencebriefing.com. And I encourage everybody to subscribe to it that way. Whenever we post something, you immediately get an email and know that something new is available. There you go, folks. Kingdom Intelligence briefing.com and that's also linked there today on the bio and in the description and dr lake we loved having on your wife we love having on you what an amazing couple and we all are looking forward to giving you a big hug in branson my friend oh that's just two weeks away i just realized that i thought i better get my message done i told steve on on this particular uh, uh conference uh, I finished my bucket list. The, my, my, my bucket list of, Lord, you know, if I live long enough, I want to minister with these guys. They're all there, and somehow I ended up in the middle of them. <laughs> oh, boy, you need a new bucket list. <laughs> well, this is your 2017 bucket list, and God is making it happen. Now, Dr. Lake, give us a little sneak peek of your latest project, what you have in the works, because I know you have another book brewing on the horizon. Give us a little sneak peek on when that's going to be out, where that sits, and... Uh, and, uh, and and do you have a title yet? It's uh, The Kingdom Priesthood. Ooh. Uh, tra- training the remnant to work with the fire of God. I'm still trying to write it, but we have been so busy, I'm still on chapter one. It's all in my head. I just need to get it pound out. <laughs> I know that feeling. I have a lot of books up in my head that I need to someday get pounded out. Wow, what a title that is. We look forward to that. Dr. Lake, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for coming on the show today and taking the time out to give us this this message. Wow, I'm looking forward to going back and re-listening to this. Thank you, sir, so much. And we look forward to seeing it at the family reunion. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Sheila. Folks, that was Dr. Michael Lake. His information is linked there in the description. And if you're looking at the archives, it's on the bio. Boy, his messages are great. Make sure you're following his YouTube channel. That is good stuff over there. And, and I, we're really looking forward to seeing what he is going to be presenting in Branson. I'm still planning on going to Branson. Um, I ran into a little, a few little things with my good old passport. I'm, uh, I'm trying to renew my passport, and I'm running into some problems. Gee, I wonder if George Soros has thrown me on a no-fly list. So be praying that I can get down to that. And I'm just going to ask everyone, please be praying for my father. I'm asking everybody. Everybody today, I'm asking you to, to be praying for my dad. He, he went blind in one eye, had almost what appears to be a stroke in the last week. And yeah, so I don't know. I'm, I'm really trying to get to Branson, everyone. 
and, and then just on a personal note, oh boy, you don't know the half of it. So please, I'm really coveting your prayers right now. Uh, there, there's a lot going on here and I'm really trying my best. There's just so many of you I want to meet. So I'm, I'm asking for your prayers for all of this. But right now, you know, my dad's health is the number one priority for me. I really could use some prayers right now, and I really appreciate that. Well, speaking of prayers answered, you guys stepped up to the call. I put the clarion call out. Boy, you guys stepped up when it really mattered, and the Patreon is coming. Um, I just think there was a whole lot of people that kind of didn't really get what I was talking about, and maybe some people still have not gone back and listened to the June. I think it's 15th or 16th. Not sure why I can never remember the date on that. Uh, I kind of give a really just, you know, talking from my heart, talking about sort of some of the things I've been up against in this ministry and some of the challenges and and some of the things that I've been trying to flesh out. Um, Here's the thing. A lot of things I don't feel are anybody's business about my personal life, and it is very rare that I get into the detail that I shared in that show, but I just felt like I had no choice. There was some myths I had to dispel, um, when it comes down to it, when I really can't, there's just a time and a place to just cut through the crap cake and, and get to the bottom of it really. Right. Because, you know, my, my show is all about truth. And if I can't be just straight shooting and, and truthful with my audience, then I really have no business having a show as far as I'm concerned. That's just my opinion. I just wanted to get real with my audience. And I think I did that. And so, uh, the only thing I kind of regret doing is, talking about the dollar and two dollar Patreon lock-ins. Because really, if you don't know this by now, Patreon is like a it's like a monthly subscription, for lack of a better word. And what it does is it locks in an amount. It, it's like I've said, you know, it's not just a couple people carrying the weight of the financial support of this ministry, because this show is 100% listener funded. I've already been an infomercial years gone past, and I'm not interested in doing that again. And that is one of the biggest things when I sent out three years in a row. I think it started in 2012. It was three consistent years. I sent out a newsletter. I wanted to get people's feedback. Uh, three of the big priority things were, you know what, the infomer- the, the commercials are annoying. It just, we don't like the break and halfway through. We don't like them at the beginning. You know, if we had our wish list as a as a listener, it's like I want to know what you, the listener, wants. And so I put these surveys out there three years in a row, and I heard a landslide of information. And ninety percent of those that responded, and I got back at least a thousand responses. And I got a whole like that's physical responses, and I got a whole landslide, just a plethora of emails. Uh, here's here's my answers to this, and I I thought, hey, surveys are great. They're a great way. And I want to do another one come January of this year, I think. They're a great way to really gauge what the listeners want. Number one, what did they want was at the very top of the thing. Scrap the advertisers and go listener find it. So that's what I did. And on my follow-up, I asked people, okay, here's some of the, the feedback that I'm getting. Would people be willing to support this ministry if I scrap these these sponsors. And by the way, sponsors are very fickle. If you talk about things that they even theologically disagree with, they'll just pull out and it'll be goodbye, never hear back from them. And it's it's a rough thing. 
And I get that economic times change and people stop funding and people don't send stuff and different things change. I, I get all that. You know, I, I know people are fickle, period. And it's not always that they want to stop supporting. Sometimes they just can't. And I get that. And that's why I've never wanted to go pay to play. And no, I'm not talking about Hillary Clinton. It is literally almost like an iTunes thing where you're downloading for, what, 99 cents a show? Um, you get just get into some logistical nightmares at that. You get in digital media is a nightmare. And I have one of the best web teams and they say, don't even go there. And plus, you know what? It costs so much money to, to do something like that, that, you know, you'd have to be like a Joyce Meyer ministry to be able to afford these these high end uh techies that just run everything and you don't have to do anything. But but what the problem is with this ministry is the demand on me is exploding. And I'm not just talking about prayer requests and bookings and, you know, will you come talk about your, your books at our church? I mean, I cannot keep up at this pace. We've just outgrown this one-man operation. I need to hire some help. And back in June, I took some time and I really looked at what I needed to do. And that's where that Patreon goal came in. That's the amount of money that I need to lock in. You know, a lot of people don't even like Patreon. They can't get on Patreon. They're having problems. I get all that. That You know, this is, this is we have to work within these computer systems. If you want to do a monthly PayPal donation, that's great too. But regardless, the Patreon was really important because at least I know that I've got something that I can work with every month that is consistent because you can't plan any kind of a budget on a one-time donation. You just can't. As much as I really appreciate them, I can't do my work effectively if I don't know where I'm at. And and with that demand, and, and it, you, just, you just feel so overwhelmed that you just want to shut everything down. It's like, you know what? I can no longer do this. I need help. So where are things currently at with Patreon? Well, we're not at our full goal yet, but I also heard from a lot of people saying, I didn't even have a chance to listen to that program. Um, as it sits today, I think we're around 6,400 of our goal. We're, we're doing a lot better than we were sitting a week ago, and it's climbing. Today at noon, where things sit, I've got 347 patrons. But you know what, guys? That is 1% of my listening analytics. And so, you know, I think what needs to happen is I just need to keep going with this. I think people need a little more time. I think that I need to send out a newsletter and explain to people how I need to reach my goal. I need to give it a little more time. I'm going to give it the whole month of September to try to lock in something because I've got to know where I'm at in the next couple of weeks. I just, I absolutely have to. I need to know where I need to scale back. You know, okay, so what can I do at least with this going forward? What can I do with this? And, you know, I lo you guys know that I appreciate all my patrons and I'm going to start trying to do like special sneak peek shows and only my patrons can listen to little things to just show you how much I appreciate you guys. But I, I just think that's just woefully not anywhere near the realm of the consistent people that eat the meat of this ministry. It's just not. And and some ladies said, oh, that I think that's just rude when you say that. Well, you know what I think's rude when people eat the meat of my my absolute hard work and the workman's worthy of their hire. They eat the meat of this ministry. They have no problem doing that on a consistent basis. And then they get upset when I tell people that this isn't a freebie. Would you, would you work for your boss for free? 
So why do people expect anybody with a ministry to do it? You know, I think it goes back to those religious spirits, the poverty mindset. Um, and, and I'm not a prosperity gospel, trust me. But I do know one thing. People go, well, God's going to provide if it's meant to be. Yeah, you know what? God provides through his people. And, and a lot of people just say God provides and then they don't do they don't do anything. And honestly, it infuriates me that I even have to rationalize this discussion. I have to actually say the workman's worthy of their wages. And yet it that just really frustrates me when I have to say that. And you know what? I just want to get to a point where I don't even have to talk about money on the air. And that's the whole point of locking that amount in. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. I don't even want to ask. And I think it was Craig Sawyer said on my show, hey, if I was a rich philanthropist, I wouldn't even have to be on here asking for money. And that's exactly how I feel. But I'm not. And so I'm asking for your help. It's just, you know, I got to address also some of the nastiness that I get. Because if you have not, if you don't know me by now and you don't know the type of character that I am and the person of integrity and the woman of God that I am, and you can make statements like that to me, I don't know why you're listening to my program. If you think that I'm a charlatan, boy, you have poor discernment. I've had a few people do YouTube videos on, whoa, look at Sheila Zlinski's asking for money. How dare she ask for money? Well, how dare she go off the air and, and didn't tell us why she did? You know, there's always another side to every coin. But for those nasty people out there, why are you listening to my broadcast? I don't like this about your show. I'm like, well, I got a perfect solution. Don't listen to it. That is just so easy to me. Like, I'm telling you what, I love you way too much to let you read my emails because they would make a grown man cry. And I'll tell you, like, people just say, yeah, no, shrug it off, whatever, move along. But it really is disheartening. My heart is in the right place. I'm doing my best. And that's all I can do. You know, everybody and their dog has an opinion about something. But you also don't have my exact calling. You don't have my exact giftings. You don't have exactly the burden that I carry for, for the people, the saints, equipping the saints. I have a tremendous burden for God's people. But the shills and the, the COINTELPRO and the, you know, the little jackals and the hyenas and these, these vicious, ravenous wolves, they just, they slam me all day long. It's not bad enough that Google's slapping me down. We're just getting pummeled on every front. It's pretty bad when we also have to contend with so-called Christian in name only, the, the claimants. It's just a steady diet of this. And so that's why when people give me a landslide of, please, Sheila, you can't go off the air. We want to encourage you. You know what? Those are the things. I really am going to start just burning out my delete key and not looking back because I just made a decision that I'm not listening to all the negativity anymore. And the jackals on YouTube are venomous. And you know what? We don't have time for this anymore. I instructed Rhonda. If somebody's being uh, a nasty person on those threads, I don't care what platform is social media, man, I'm getting ready to light up my delete key because I am just not putting up with it anymore. I'm just going to go on a blocking frenzy. And you'll never comment on my YouTube channel again. You'll never be able to comment on my Facebook posts again. And I'm convinced they have departments of these people that just get, you know, stir up strife and get stuff going on your threads. Every one of my threads there's always these little jackals on there, but I digress. So what I'm doing is I'm giving it the whole month of September to see if we can reach our goal. I want to personally thank Kyle Murdoch. That's right. I want to give a big 
huge shout out to Mr. Kyle Murdoch of Fort Worth, Texas. Thank you. He literally, after the show that I did saying, you know, I'm seriously looking at going off the air because I'm so far behind. I'm three months financially behind. Kyle picked up the phone and he said, what are you behind? And he wired that into my account. So I think that I owe Kyle Murdoch a thank you on air because that was incredible and it was amazing. And I'm so appreciative. And when I personally talked to him, he told me how much this show means to him personally. And I was very humbled by that, Kyle. So thank you. And and you're one person, but I'm hoping, and I hope it's just not me. And clearly from these emails, it's not, which is good because I really a week ago thought this show was irrelevant. And I thought, you know what? It's just time to, it's just time to throw in the towel. Uh, This just is, you know, insanity is going around the same mountain over and over and expecting a different result. And I'm trying to, to do something different. You know, I'm trying to look at different angles. I'm trying to see what I can do. I sometimes work a 75-hour week, and that is conservative. I am absolutely overwhelmed. And, and I'm just going to throw this in there because it takes me 29 hours to do something like that Disney deception that you saw. A regular interview, just if I just do it and I slap it up on YouTube and fire it in my podcast after the recording, the editing, and everything is said and done, each one of the shows that you listen to, whatever you're listening to it on, the total time it takes to give you that, you know, it's like, well, it's just a 55-minute show, but it's a 10-hour job. And that's conservative. You know, I have to often go back and, and adjust sound levels and volumes. I go through it from start to finish, and that is the deal, my friends. So those little 55-minute shows that you hear are about, on average, a 10-hour job from start to finish. And that's not including booking guests and, you know, half the guests that don't even want to have anything to do with Miss Ministry because, you know, she's a little kooky. She talks about deliverance. And I've come under a lot of fire for that. You know, just stick to the news. Stick to the headlines. Come on, Zelensky. You know what? There's a lot of news formats out there. And, and I really think those are a dime a dozen. Unless you are equipping the body of Christ, to me, I'm sorry, you're a dime a dozen. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. I get it. And I don't want to give people doom and gloom. You know, people accuse me, oh, you have people that are doom and gloom on your show. Do I totally agree with every single one of my guests? No. There's things I like about a lot of guests, but we don't agree on everything. I do the very best that I can. But if I only had on the guests that I have 100% the same views, then I'd have two guests. That wouldn't be much of a lineup, would it? There's just so many things that people do not understand. And it's really easy to look on the outside and and judge me and tell me how I should run things and tell me what I should do and give me suggestions. And I know some of them are done out of love, but some of them aren't. Okay, so really quickly, let me just lay this last little bit out here. So I'm giving it the month of September. I'm still going to next week launch the new website. We just had to go with a secure server. We had to beef up a whole bunch of things. We're not getting rid of weekendvigilante.com. I still am going to keep that website. But as of next week, and I believe this is Wednesday, there'll be a banner on my website that can will take you to the new website. So be watching for that. Make sure you are signed up for my free e-newsletter. Make sure you are following the podcast. You get alerts. There's just so many things I want to tell you today to 
to think about all the emails that I got and, and how to answer everybody. I would need a full-time staff to just literally respond to the, the landmine of emails. I got an avalanche of emails, and uh, I'm so far behind with that. I think I'm first. I, I, I make it personally a huge effort to get to every one of my emails. That's just me. I believe that what you guys have to say is important, and I always try to get back to you. So I don't know if I missed anything, but um, if I did, well, you know what? Just send me an email. Let me know what I missed out. I'm trying to cram a lot of information on the the tail end of this show. I was going to do this totally separate because, again, everybody's going away. This is the last show of the week. And then Wednesday, coming out of the gate with a whole bunch of other things. So anything I missed, I'll start right off the hop out of the gate next Wednesday on the show. Be looking for that. Make sure you are, again, subscribed to my YouTube channel because sometimes, you know, as much as I'm getting pounded and pummeled and demonetized and censored by Google, it's still the only platform of its kind. So that is really a double-edged sword. Make sure that you are following my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page, my Twitter account, um, I've got 70,000 followers on Twitter, which is really strange. At, uh, they're doing something weird over there at Twitter. But anyway, that's a, a whole other show because I'm only getting like about 30 comments. And people are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm never seeing your Twitter feed. You know, there's a lot of opposition. Social media is a double-edged sword. Yeah, fascist book and gulag. Boy, I'll tell you. They're, they're taking over. Hey, if you didn't listen to the show yesterday with Patrick Wood, definitely go back and listen to that, which ties into my contest, the Willy Wonka golden coveted ticket that you can easily win very quickly. If you're following my Weekend Vigilante Facebook page, this is only for social media, the contest, my social media followers. Go like me right now. Go to weekendvigilante.com. You'll see all my social media icons. Make sure you're following me. Because I just posted something that said, pick your favorite line of the Patrick Wood show. You listen to the show, you you pick your favorite one-liner. There's a couple of good zingers on there. There's a couple of phrases that I think you'll get a kick out of. Put your favorite one on the thread, and whoever gets the most likes on what they picked, the group is going to decide, not me. So whoever has the most likes on that post is going to win a ticket to Branson. It is the first post. Again, the headline is calling all listeners. Want to win a coveted ticket to the sold out True Legends Branson Conference? That is the one you want. And if you're not going to go to Branson, well, then you can sell it, auction it off. It's a hot item. Trust me. Um, Sorry if I missed anything today. I just feel like now I'm rambling. But I want to, again, just just thank everybody for all the effort. The, The show goes on. I thank you for keeping me on the air. I'm officially staying on the air, and it's all because of you guys. Um, I think we can do better, but you know what? I'm pretty happy with the way things have panned out in the last little bit. So I love you guys all. Have an incredible, blessed Labor Day weekend. And I said it before, but keep me in your prayers. I love you all. Good night, and God bless.